Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. KFI AM640, you're listening to the John Cobell Podcast on the iHeartRadio app. This program may contain content not suitable for everyone. Discretion advised. January 30th, 1939. During a two-and-a-half-hour speech, German dictator Adolf Hitler tells a crowd of thousands that if another world war were to break out, he predicted the annihilation of the Jewish race in Europe. Eight months later, Germany invaded Poland. And World War II began. And Hitler continued his genocide of the Jews. Inside Germany itself, the Allies seized the famous Stadium of Nuremberg. On May 8, 1945, the war in Europe ended. The capture of this famous southern German city, the American flag blouts out the swastika. After the dust settled, it was estimated that more than 6 million Jews died in the Holocaust. But what didn't die was anti-Semitism. In fact, it flourished throughout history. And today, almost 80 years later, anti-Semitism has evolved and become even more dangerous, largely due to technology. If Adolf Hitler had an Instagram account, the Holocaust would have happened a lot quicker because the public would have been convinced a lot sooner. For the next two hours, we speak with those who have experienced anti-Semitism. We also talk to historians, law enforcement, activists, and rabbis. This is the KFI News special, Hate, Modern Anti-Semitism. I'm Steve Gregory. 
The internet and social media have allowed tens of thousands to mask their identities, to sit in silence typing hateful words, inciting others to commit violence, all from the safety and security of their private residence, office, or smartphone. USA! 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 And then there are those who gladly display their hate online for everyone to see and hear. You think you should be put in an oven? <laughs> are you Jewish? Oh my God. Leave our country, go back to Israel. This guy's recognized as having one of the most powerful and lucrative white supremacist followings on the internet. He travels around the country to confront Jewish people. You dirty Jew! You. But the anti-Semitism isn't exclusive to these types. It's become more mainstream over the years. This is an exchange between a reporter and White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. It was announced earlier today that the rapper formerly known as Kanye West wants to buy the conservative social media platform Parler, and this comes after he was kicked off of Twitter and Instagram last week for his own set of anti-Semitic comments. Is the White House or the President concerned? What I can speak to is hateful rhetoric. What I can speak to uh, is insulting rhetoric. What I can speak to is anti-Semitism, which is hateful. It is dangerous. Even self-proclaimed religious leaders weigh in. This is the head of the Nation of Islam, Louis Farrakhan. And I'm here to separate the good Jews from the satanic Jews. Yes, yes, yes! During the numerous interviews conducted for this special, a common theme was evident. The reason anti-Semitism continues to grow is the lack of education about the past and the dangers of hate. A breakdown of curriculums around the country shows 19 states require high schools to teach their students about the Holocaust, while 31 states do not. In a recent poll by the American Jewish Committee, 41% of Jews say the status of Jews in America is less secure than a year ago. That's up from 31% in 2021. And going back to the technology piece, 85% of Jews from 18 to 29 years old have seen or were the target of anti-Semitism online at least once in 2022. Our journey begins with Rabbi Abraham Cooper at the Simon Wiesenthal Center. I'm the Associate Dean and Director of Global Social Action for the Simon Wiesenthal Center, our international headquarters of uh, this leading Jewish NGO is right here in Los Angeles, California. I also serve as Vice Chair of the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom. Rabbi Cooper breaks down their annual report on digital terrorism and hate, where they give a letter grade to media companies and individuals. We take about 750 to 1,000 examples of uh, what transpired in the previous year. It's kind of a snapshot of uh, the lowlights, if you will, and also, uh, I want to say predictive, but also identifying some of the players who behind, uh, whether it's a, a lurid uh, conspiracy that goes after minorities or whatever it might be. So we have that. And then we, we uh, have the, the big companies, we grade on how they deal with these issues. Uh, and uh, in addition to that, there are very often new platforms that frankly, I never heard of, but our researchers have, that for example, TikTok came early, whatever it might be, they're also going to be in the mix. Um, and uh, what we found quite uh, remarkably is that um, a lot of the companies were very sensitive about the grades they got. I remember one time uh, I was at, in the early years of uh, Twitter, 
at their headquarters in San Francisco uh, with about 15 of their top executives. A few of them were lawyers. And one of them came over and said, you know, Rabbi, I noticed that last year you gave us an F on the report card. And uh, do you think it might, that grade might change? And I said, well, you know, to be perfectly honest, if there was a grade lower than F, that's what I would give to Twitter. Because in those years, uh, Twitter was the weapon of choice of terrorists. And it wasn't until you had congressional hearings uh, at the height of ISIS power where someone, uh, you know, says, um, well, in the month of October, on average, there were 200,000 tweets sent out by ISIS on a daily basis. And it wasn't until Jack Dorsey's life was threatened by the terrorists that they suddenly, might say, found religion and things, you know, changed uh, a little bit. And here we are in 2023 still grappling with uh, uh, Twitter. Uh, we've been in touch with Elon Musk. Uh, we still think that um, jury's out. Uh, we need a change of culture that's going to include a systemic, serious look and dealing with the mo maybe the most difficult thing, drawing the line on hate and actually holding people and institutions accountable for it. So uh, we've put in, uh, we've approached uh, must directly, if, uh, probably now about two months ago, on behalf of 180 Jewish organizations around the world. Uh, and so far, the results are mixed. Hmm. We're, we're still looking for the systemic uh, approach. But I, I also would just, you know, caution the, the listeners because everybody in America seems to have chosen up sides. You're either left or right, you're progressive or conservative. Uh, we don't look at it that way. We're trying to play it right down the middle. And, you know, I've never understood how Twitter could allow a, a murderous thug like the Ayatollah Khomeini, who's crushing the human dignity and human rights of his own people in Iran, uh, and uh, so many hundreds of individuals murdered, tens of thousands in jail, the women who've tried to change the reality there, He's still up on Twitter as we speak. And for all of those uh, years that we urged, begged, cajoled, threatened, whatever it might be, they just never made a move. And so you have this situation where in the old regime, they took down the president of the United States and they left Khomeini up. So <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, maybe Trump deserved what he got, but we know one thing, the most powerful marketing uh, platform is there for a government that is officially a Holocaust denier that is talking that's a you know wants to genocide uh, the Jewish state and threatens uh, existential threat to every one of the of the countries in in the Gulf so there's never been a consistency uh, and and now we have a situation again I think primarily because of COVID in which everyone is now in the social media basket. That's where all the action is at. And uh, the companies are happy about the traffic. We need them to also be good citizens. More with Rabbi Cooper, but first, this is Hate, Modern Anti-Semitism on KFI AM 640. You're listening to John Kobelt on demand from KFI AM 640. 
KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Steve Gregory, and this is the KFI News special, Hate, Modern Anti-Semitism. Rabbi Michael Barkley is the founder of Temple Ner Simcha in Westlake Village, California, just north of Los Angeles. It's a small and modest temple in the middle of a sleepy town, and it still attracts hate. And one of its targets is Rabbi Barkley and his family. So Westlake Village is an upper middle class to upper class financially, uh, that kind of area. It is a suburb of Los Angeles. Um, when we first moved here, I, I looked at a friend and I said, this looks like all the houses in, in the TV show Weeds. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, this is where they shot it. <laughs> so it's, it's really the um, epitome of a suburb in many, many ways. It was a pre-planned community the, in terms of the power lines aren't above ground, they're below ground, so it's very green and very beautiful. Lake Sherwood, which is one of the most beautiful areas in all of California is here, and the Lake Sherwood Development and Sherwood Country Club and Sherwood Lakes Club, two amazing golf courses, um, Westlake Island, things like that. Interestingly, and, and, we're, and we're close to the west part of the San Fernando Valley as well as we're not far from Simi Valley and close to Thousand Oaks. Um, I would say probably over a third of the people who come to our community, for whether it's a service or a festival or a class, actually are traveling from the west side of Los Angeles. They, for whatever re- different reasons, and there's different reasons for each of them, they resonate to what we do and how we do it, and they come out here for the high holidays or for services or classes, et cetera. Is this a safe area? Would you categorize it as a safe area? In terms of? Crime and assaults and those kinds oh, yeah. of things? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. this is the suburbs. This is, I, when I lived in Westchester and was teaching at Loyola Marymount, this is a very different area. You know, This is not an area where typically you have gangs walking around or uh, a lot of crime, at least that we know of typically. Um, it's an area, you know, one of the jokes that, that, that we make is I'm a person of color here because it is a very suburb, classic suburban area for better and for worse. And it's a very safe area, you know, instead of living in Westchester by Loyola, which is a great area as well. We live across from a park that has three baseball fields and beach volleyball and, and tennis courts. And it's very green and, and a wonderful place to have a family and to raise a family and to be safe in that way. Typically, that's what it's always been. That said, um, you know, attacks against synagogues, hate crimes against Jewish people are on the rise everywhere. Are you, have you been immune to that in this safe area, the safe suburb of yours? The exact opposite. No, we have not been immune at all, and I have not been immune to it in any, in any way, shape, or form. In this area, though? In this area. I get regular hate mail. I get regular threats. Um, we have armed security at every event we do. Either if it's a large event, we will hire uh, security firms that are showing their firearms on the outside, so it's a deterrent as well. But every event we have, every gathering we have, there is at least one person with a concealed carry who's trained in that, handling security for the event, um, at least one. And that's everything we do. And it's a sad statement, but it's, it's what's needed. And as I said, my, my house has been vandalized four times. Uh, most recently, you know, we put up video cameras and we actually have video of, of some guys in hoods throwing an M80 at our house. Guys in hoods, as in hoodies or hoodies, hoodies. Okay, so uh, look that Antifa look. Throwing M80s at your house. Yes. Any words spoken? Any words 
you know, painted on your walls? I mean, do you know what they're doing there? They know we're the Jewish. They know it's the home of the Jewish leader. We also do temple events occasionally at our at our home. In this case, it, the last case with the M80, we had a, there's a holiday in Judaism called Sukkot, and you build a temporary structure and you have parties in it and you dwell in it. And we build the community sukkah in our backyard. Because I say we don't own this temple property, so we don't have the property to build a, a sukkah. And we have over the course of the seven nights, each night we have anywhere from 30 to 150 people in our backyard under the sukkah doing all of that. This was on a Friday night when we'd had a Sukkot gathering. We had armed security right outside the house. There was no way that you could get in the side gate without seeing a guy with a firearm. The event had ended. We had closed everything up, turned off the lights, not, I mean, less than 10 minutes after the lights were turned out and the security guy had left. My family and I were upstairs when we hear this explosion like I've never heard in my life, because thank God I was not in a war. And this car screeching off, and we look at the video, and it's some people who had parked in front of our house, gotten out of the car, thrown the M80, gotten back in the car and screeched off. It's really sad. Do you believe it's people or it's individuals that are from this suburb, or do you think they're outsiders? I think they're from this suburb. Really? Yeah. I think people who are doing the actions are from this area, whether directly from Westlake or whether they're from Agoura, Thousand Oaks, or somewhere in the San Fernando Valley or Simi Valley. I, I think people aren't schlepping. They're not, they're not driving an hour to come after our house or our community. They're people who are local in whatever way. It's interesting because we talk to um, you know, law enforcement professionals, and they're, they're, they keep eyes on these hate cells um, and these anti-Semitic cells. And... They're getting their marching orders from groups out of Illinois, Northern California, Orange County, California. And um, they dispatch these cells to go to all these different communities, um, small and large. Uh, that's why I asked the question, because in, unless you have evidence of, of it being someone local, you think, or at least in the, in the region or the area. But I do know that there are groups that are from out of town that are coming in to, to wreak havoc and to do this for whatever you know, whatever their motive or whatever their takeaway is, but they, they're coming from out of town. I don't think that's, if I judge it based on the hate mail that we've gotten, it's not coming from people. Tell us about the hate mail. So as an example, um, so before High Holidays, we advertise in, in the two local papers. One is called The Acorn, one is called The Guardian. And The Guardian is owned by people who are politically conservative. Many of their advertisers and their take on the news is politically conservative. The Acorn on the other side is, more, is on the liberal. And we advertise them both because I could care less what someone's politics are. That's not my job. My personal politics, I'm active politically on a personal level. I do not ever, ever, ever speak politics from the pulpit with the exception of I will always back up Israel no matter what they do and I will call out anti-Semites out. Um, but we had, this, is, this is an example. We advertise in The Guardian and... Then there is a, a blogger who has a couple thousand followers um, who is very far on the left, who then says we need to uh, stop all these people who are advertising The Guardian. That's on a Friday night. It comes out Friday. That's on Friday night. Saturday morning on her website is tell us their address and we'll take care of it. Hashtag Conejo Antifa. And it's, you can find his address my address is not hard to find out. 
Uh, and Saturday night at one o'clock in the morning, our dog starts barking. I look out and there's a car across the street. There's a park. There's no reason for a car to have pulled up with two people. And they're just sitting there. And they're sitting there for about five minutes. And I turn on the light and they screech off. And an hour later, again, the exact same thing. And this time I call the police and I come out and they screech off again. Same car, same people. They'd come back to be right across from our house. And that was the genesis of that action, of that kind of stalking, which I don't consider vandalism because they didn't get away with anything because we saw them came from a blogger and website that is peopled with Jews, spewing hate about our synagogue, etc. Um, because we had advertised in The Guardian. Are you finding, Rabbi, that the hatred toward Jews comes and goes in waves, or do you think it's pretty consistent? I think it's an understanding of the history of anti-Semitism, which is really a virus that mutates. It's a hate that mutates. You can hear the complete interview with Rabbi Barkley on the companion podcast to this program, just downloaded on the iHeartRadio app. Coming up, a clinical psychologist does hate crime risk assessment for Los Angeles County. But first, this is the KFI News special, Hate, Modern Anti-Semitism, on KFI AM 640. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun, such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. You're listening to John Kobelt on demand from KFI AM 640. 
KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Steve Gregory, and this is the KFI News special, Hate, Modern Anti-Semitism. This program may contain content not suitable for everyone. Discretion advised. For every hate group that exists, there's a law enforcement agency keeping an eye on it. Some infiltrate the groups, others work behind the scenes to help find those cells motivated by hate. Dr. Matthew Schumacher is a clinical and operational psychologist with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department's Major Crimes Bureau. He also researches radicalization and threat assessment. He begins with his view of extremism in Southern California. The data absolutely tells us that it's a big problem. Um, hate in particular, as opposed to radicalization or extremist ideology is a local problem, right? So it happens on the block, on the street, in the neighborhood. Um, I, I think that we're much, much more interested and much more aware that this is out there as a result of George Floyd and, and some of the elements of the Asian American community um, and, the, and the kind of China flu stuff. We're right. aware and people right. have felt much more comfortable speaking out about the, the bigotry and bias that they're exposed to. Um, and as a result, we're asking a lot more, right? We're asking those questions and we're having it uh, reported to us, which is one of the biggest um, advantages and new things that we have going on. So on the one hand, we're going to see numbers go up because we're asking the question, we're asking it to be reported. But I don't think there's an expert in the United States right now that doesn't think we're on an at a high point upward slope, you know what I mean? Perhaps not unlike other times we've had you know, racial and ethnic and cultural conflict in America, but we're definitely at a high point. And um, <clears throat> the real question, though, is how does that look to the person on the street that's experiencing it? And how does that play out in our own response of fear? These groups that they're, they're mostly looking to have outsized influence, which is one element of, say, terrorism and influence. But what they're trying to do is scare people. And so it doesn't matter how many people get hurt, even if they were to do a violent attack, it matters how many people are watching. One of the problems with our media cycle and with the internet is that everybody gets to see it, right? And so their, their influence as far as people being aware of these hate-based hate ideologies in these groups is very dramatically enhanced. And all you have to do, most of these are following like the uh, Al-Qaeda ISIS playbook, right? They're recruiting online, they're talking online, they're disseminating their Belgian hate online, um, and most of it is not illegal. You said that groups like the GDL and other groups, local groups like this, they don't scare you. What groups scare you? The groups that scare me, and I mean, this is another element of our community in LA, are the ones like the very old and very prominent right-wing militant groups out of Orange County. We have some of that, as far as I can tell, up in the northern part of L.A. County. Um, <clears throat> but these folks travel now, right? So Char Charlottesville was one of the first eye-opening things. These guys are not anymore just saying, hey, um, you know, Santa Monica Pier, right, or um, some sort of rally in Long Beach. They're not even your, your kind of um, white supremacist-type gangs that do the concerts out in the Inland Empire, right? These are folks that are going to travel, to where the action is, to where they can have the most influence, and that would be Charlottesville, or that would be the Unite the Right rally, or that would be, you know. But all of this is very highly choreographed. It is very much intended to scare us, and it works, which is part of the problem. 
You know, you have an impressive background with military intelligence. Uh, you've got, you have security clearances of, of some of the highest levels. You served overseas. Uh, you've seen a lot of action as both a, a veteran, military veteran, and a psychologist. But um, when you're back here in the States and then, you know, you're kind of down here in Southern California, um, is there the same intensity with extremism in Southern California that you've experienced overseas or that you've experienced on a natural, national federal level or assignment that way? I mean, it's an interesting question because, as you noted, I mean, I've been to Somalia, I've been to um, multiple different places in Afghanistan and even Iraq and Kurdistan, right? And most of those places where they're actually in armed conflict, um, they sort of organize around the ideology. But what's underneath it is either crime, you know, profit or power, right? They're, they're like kind of a little local um, tribal skirmishes, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So whatever ideology they wrap it up in at the time is, you know, potentially not relevant um, or not as relevant as it is here where it's very much identity politics, right? It's we are like, let's say, um, uh, white lives matter, right? This is very local. This is to counter the influence of black lives matter. And it's a conflict of ideas. That makes sense. Just like, you know, uh, GDL is 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 sort of saying that you know all the bad stereotypical t stuff about the Jewish community. Um, they're trying to get their disinformation and their hate stuff out to counter the influence of another group that has a different kind of influence done a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, the violence itself, I would say, in LA, at least as far as the the everyday stuff, if I looked at probably ninety percent or more of the hate incidents and hate crimes in LA. It's probably more like um, get off my lawn, you know what I mean? It's like somebody that's got brown skin moved next to somebody with black skin or white skin, or and they're stepping on each other's toes. You know what I mean? Someone's had too much to drink. Someone's homeless. Someone's in my way. Um, we had the more the more flamboyant incidents where someone goes out of their way to target somebody. You know, you see those on TV. Somebody breaks into a, a mosque. Somebody breaks into a, a, a temple. Right? Those are very those are pretty rare. What's not at all rare is, you know, somebody uses the N-word and gets in a fight with somebody, right? So the more targeted, um, what we would call predatory violence, which is what should scare us, is not super common. The more reactive stuff that, you know, like is kind of bread and butter for patrol cops, you know, someone's having a fight, someone's got mental illness, someone's on drugs or intoxicated, it just adds that extra element for folks that can make it either traumatic or frightening, right? which is that they don't like, I mean, they, they hate who I am, right? Or at least that's the way it appears when these things happen. You can hear the complete interview with Dr. Schumacher on the companion podcast to this program. Just download it on the iHeartRadio app. Coming up, a principal at a Jewish day school talks about educating kids while surrounded by armed guards. But first, this is the KFI News special, Hate, Modern Antisemitism on KFI AM 640. You're listening to John Kobelt on demand from KFI AM 640. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. This is the KFI News special, Hate, Modern Antisemitism. I'm Steve Gregory. A school principal bears a lot of responsibility and pressure to keep students and staff safe. But imagine running a school where the first thing you see when you drop off your kids is an armed security guard at a checkpoint. 
Brandon Cohen is the head of school at Browerman Elementary, which is part of the Wilshire Boulevard Temple in West Los Angeles. One of the challenges Cohen and his staff face is how to address attacks on Jewish communities locally and around the world. And when do his elementary students get introduced to the Holocaust? We're careful about how we introduce that. What we really try to do is equip uh, our families with information on how they can talk to their students. And, um, and then in the early grades, we generally do not talk to the students about it. And starting in fourth, fifth, and sixth, we will talk to them about it. But many times we, we allow sort of the students to drive, like if they're aware of it or not, because each family wants to handle these situations differently, and we like to respect that. But we do have a curriculum about anti-Semitism that doesn't start till fourth grade. Fourth grade. And how active are the parents in that curriculum? Uh, they're not a part of the curriculum, and, and that's intentional. We want to, you know, obviously... But they, have, they eventually... Uh, do they have to sign off on that because of the sensitivity and the nature of it? I, I, I you know, look, I think as a Jewish day school, um, I, families, uh, I think in most cases, are they want to have their children exposed to, to these issues in a thoughtful, intentional, deliberate way, which is what we do. So... Uh, that being said, you know, whenever we have a, a piece of literature that um, uh, may have, you know, uh, violence uh, in them or, um, you know, t touch on things like the Holocaust, uh, we, we let them know ahead of time. And there have been situations where parents have opted their children out of those pieces and we give them something, you know, alternative uh, piece of work. But generally speaking, I think this is what our families want you know, their, their children to, to learn and, and to build their understanding of, of what's happened. And for our families, it helps them build their Jewish identity as they move on to secondary school and, um, you know, they get exposed to more and more. So this is like a way of doing it in a very uh, scaffolded, intentional way. Then when they go on to secondary school, do these students usually go on to more of a, a, a continue on with a Jewish-centric school? Actually, it's usually only about 20 to 25 percent of our graduating class go on to uh, continue with a Jewish day school education. The other 75 or 80 percent go into secular, mostly independent private schools. So that's, to me, part of the importance of what we do here is that they're building that foundation, uh, building some pride in their Jewish identity and understanding of the Jewish heritage as they go into these other secular schools. You're in such a, a unique position because you, you know you're helping to develop these young minds. Um, when they get to that sixth grade level, and you say you've you, you've incrementally introduced the more you know horrific parts of the reality of of the past and the present. Um, right. Do you? If you were to sort of encapsulate the definition of hate for the kids on this campus, what do you think they think hate is? You know, I, I think terms like that are, are interpreted differently by different people, but I, I think, you know, hate is uh, not, not, this is not a, uh, a word that necessarily I would use with an elementary age student, but it's antip antipathy toward a group or an individual based on their identity, um, which can be religious, you know, as, as Jews, but it could be race, ethnicity, um, uh, her heritage, or, or anything else. So, you know, maybe that's a little above a, an elementary age. Um, but when they get to that sixth grade level, do you think they have, those sixth graders have, based on that scaffolding approach you talked about, do you think by the time they hit the sixth grade, 
they have a pretty clear understanding of of how hate exists, what it is, and do you think you've prepared them for the next step of their life? So, unfortunately, I do think that they do have a good understanding of hate. Maybe it's not unfortunate, like it's part of the world we live in, so they need to understand that. But I, I will tell you something, as someone who grew up in Los Angeles and, and I think um, is, and, and like I said before, have, have two children of my own, there's no doubt that the students today have a better understanding of the, that the, that hate is real and in our community than I think when I was growing up. And um, we, we know it, our families, Browerman families, um, had the flyers, the anti-Semitic flyers that were put on driveways uh, several weeks ago. Uh, we have families who drove under the banners that were under the 405 freeway that were anti-Semitic in nature. Uh, we know that Unfortunately, at such a young age now, but kids are on social media and they know what Ye is saying in social media or Kyrie Irving has, has said, you know, posted. And so they understand that um, as, as Jewish kids that there are people out there who hate them. And, um, and so they have to grow up with that reality. And I'll be really honest, uh, I'm a grandchild of uh, two Holocaust survivors. I think when I was their age, I thought the world had changed, that we were in a different place. And they are not able to feel that way because it's not true and that we are in a different place. But I can also say with great confidence that our students are moving on to their secondary schools with a very strong sense of who they are as and, and to be upstanders and that they have to voice um, their... Uh, their, their, their feelings when these kinds of things come up that it's not okay, that they are not going to be okay with it. And it's not okay not just for them, but when others are being treated in that way. And that's an important piece of it. We don't want our students just leaving only focused on the fact that, you know, if someone hates Jews, that it has to be addressed. It's when there's hatred against other people based on whoever they are, that's not okay. And so, you know, and, and we do actually know that our students are going to some of these other schools in, in both their secondary schools, but even we're hearing about it in college and they're taking on leadership roles and, and um, making sure um, uh, these issues are being talked about in schools, uh, in, the, in the high schools and in, in the colleges where they're going. You can hear the complete interview with Brandon Cohen. Just download the companion podcast to this program on the iHeartRadio app. Coming up, we speak with a man who was just appointed to the President's Holocaust Memorial Council. But first, this is the KFI News special, Hate, Modern Anti-Semitism, on KFI AM 640. Time now for a news update. Hey, you've been listening to the John Cobalt Show podcast. You can always hear the show live on KFI AM 640 from 1 to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.